1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us again, again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God doesn't just give us life whenever we're born, but we're born again and again and again to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's only for a season. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, Ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Notice what verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I want to speak today on this subject, the beginning of the end, the beginning of the end. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house, thankful for your presence and your spirit, thankful for your word that leads us and guides us. Pray you'd give us courage, Lord, give us determination to walk with you, to respond to the preaching of your word and to be changed in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. One thing we have learned as we look around us, of course, we understand that we are natural beings in a natural world and nature has taught us and conditioned us that change is a part of life. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22 says, while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. We understand the cycle of the seasons. And so it's a great illustration to the cycle of the seasons of life. We get to this time of the year, if we just look around at the the seasons of nature, and we that live in Florida get excited because we understand that change is coming eventually. It's going to get cooler eventually. The air is going to change. The trees are going to change. It's going to be a welcome change for all of us that live here in Florida because we get excited in the fall because winter is coming. But not everybody gets excited about this time of the year because others know that a change is coming too. But the change of the seasons as we approach winter may not be a welcome change. But regardless of where you live or the season of your preference, you understand and accept change. Change is a part of life. The seasons have taught us that. The Bible describes it. It says that change is inevitable. As long as the earth remains, 
there will be change in the natural world. There are certain cycles of change. And even though change in and of itself is not certain, there is some certain principles that illustrate change. One of the things that we know if we look through this process that every one of us go through in, as human beings, we are changing. Our bodies are changing. Everything changes in the natural. We understand that there is no growth without change. And there is no change without loss. And there is no loss without grief. And there is no grief without pain. I want to say that again. These are the cycles of life that we go through even in our humanity. There's no growth without change. And there is no change without loss. And there is no loss without grief. And there is no grief without pain. First of all, let's take that apart piece by piece. There is no growth without change. If you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to grow financially, if you're going to grow relationally or intellectually, if you want your business to grow, if you want your church to grow, whatever you want to grow, it means it's going to have change. A person who wants his business to grow without it changing is like a woman that says, I want to have a baby, but I don't want my tummy to get any bigger. And I don't want to go through labor. It isn't going to happen. There is pain involved in growth. They don't call it labor for nothing. I ought to get a witness from all the ladies in the house today. There is no growth without change. Secondly, there is no change without loss. Every new beginning is an ending of something else. And every end is a new beginning. That's what life is all about. Your life is a series of endings and beginnings. Endings and beginnings. Graduations and commencements. Graduations and commencements. You graduate from one thing and you become a freshman in something else. You graduate from high school, you become a freshman in college. You graduate from college, you become a freshman on your job. There's always endings and beginnings. Endings and beginnings. And there is no change without loss. I have to let go of what I've got in order to grab on to what I've not. A lot of people don't realize that. To grow, I have to let go of what I got in order to grab on to that which I've not. Life is really like a trapeze act. Life and the evidence of faith in your life is actually very similar to a trapeze act. If you've ever seen a, a trapeze act at a circus, you, you, you've seen where they, they go way up high on these pedestals and they swing out on one bar and then here comes another bar and another swing and it comes toward them and they have to let go of one and they have to grab a hold of the other. That's a scary time, that, that transition time. You, 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 you've never seen a trapeze artist swing out on one uh, and grab a hold of the other and say, I, I really don't want to let go of this one. That's a recipe for disaster. You, you have to let go because if you don't let go of what swung you out there, you'll get stuck in the middle. And if you get stuck in the middle, you're going to fall. Faith is activated by trust. 
Trust is the key. You have to trust that God is going to see you through. If you don't, you'll never let go of those feelings of doubt. You'll never let go of those feelings of fear. You'll just hang on to that swing and swing it back and forth until it can't move anymore. But if you're going to get to the other side, you got to let go of some things and grab a hold of the faith and the trust and the joy and the peace that God is trying to give us. A friend of mine that pastors up north a number of years ago went on a family vacation on a houseboat down the Mississippi River. And uh, he has teenage boys that he's constantly trying to keep up with. And uh, so they stopped somewhere in a remote area, and there was a rope swing. And uh, he saw his boys swinging out on the rope swing and dropping out in the middle of the Mississippi. And they seemed to be enjoying it so much he thought it would be a good thing for dad to do also. Only my friend made a fatal mistake. He got on the swing and when he went out and swung out, there was a critical moment when you got to let go and take the plunge. But somehow fear or something gripped him and he didn't let go. And he swung back toward the shore and then decided to let go. If you hold on too long, you're going to get hurt. You got to let go when that thing swings all the way out and the momentum carries you out into the deep waters. That's when you got to let go. If you hang on too long, you're going to get in trouble. He hung on too long, came back to the shore, dropped in shallow water and shattered his whole ankle. They had to airlift him out of the middle of the wilderness on a helicopter to get him to a hospital because he shattered his ankle because he waited too long to let go. Some of you right now, the Lord is telling you, I'm trying to take you to a higher height and a greater depth, but you're trying to hang on to old habits. You're trying to hang on to your old way of thinking. You're trying to hang on to old fears and doubts. It's time to turn loose. It's time to let go. It's time to go into the deep waters and say, God, I trust you. God has taken me to a higher place. I got news for you. I've heard people say we're going to eventually get through COVID and get back to where we were. No, we won't. God don't want us to go back to where we were. We've gone through this season so that we come out of this thing stronger than we've ever been before. We ain't going back. We're going forward. God is still God. And God has positioned the church, hallelujah, to be the voice of confidence in this uncertain season. This is not something that's caught God by surprise. God is not, not uncertain as to what to do. This is the hour of the church. This is the day of revival. This is the time that God has appointed. It's time to turn loose of the past and to grab a hold of the future and to say, if God be for me, who can be against me? If you've ever seen one of those trapeze acts, you'll see that those two swings coming together, they never actually touch. There's a gap between them. So at some point when the trapeze artist is going to turn loose of what brought him out there and grab a hold of that that's going to take him to the other side, there's that uncertain time. There's that gap. The forward motion and the momentum has brought them to the middle. 
But now they got to turn loose and there's a little bit of space before they grab a hold of the swing that's come to meet them. And at some point for a split second, a hundred or two hundred feet in the air, you're holding on to nothing. I said you're holding on to nothing. But between the point that you let go and the point that you grab a hold of the new and you're hanging on to nothing and you're there in midair, I've come to tell you that God is the God of that time of suspension. He is a God of the gaps. I said he's a God of the gaps. You said, I'm trying to turn loose of the world. I'm trying to turn loose of some relationships. I'm trying to turn loose of some habits. I've not yet got my feet founded. I've not yet got those new relationships established. I've not yet put down the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and reading my Bible and faithful church attendance. I'm kind of in midair. I'm in a vulnerable time. Can I tell you that God will keep you in the midst of those gaps. you got to walk by faith faith and say the same God that brought me here is going to get me to the other side. I'm going to reach for the new and let go of the old. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, we're going to the other side. He didn't tell them there wouldn't be storms. He said, let's launch and go to the other side. Boy, they got in the midst of the storm. They thought the storm had caught Jesus by surprise. He was down in the bottom of the boat asleep. He knew there'd be storms. But when he said, we're going to the other side... We're going to the other side. You see, it's those times of uncertainty. It's in the seasons of storms. Even the disciples were in during that time. And they went down and woke up the Lord and said, Carest thou not that we perish. They were never going to perish. But they had that season of uncertainty. And Jesus came up and rebuked the storm and then rebuked the disciples. Where's your faith? I'm not sure I'm in that in-between time. I said we're going to the other side. Oh, I've come to tell somebody the Lord has promised you we're going to the other side. The challenge is not that God doesn't have the ability to get us to the other side. The challenge is can we transition from what we used to be to what God is trying to take us? Can we transition to what God is wanting to do? You say, but oh, it's a little scary. That's why it's a walk of faith. Not everything's going to be laid out. There's going to be some times of suspension. There may be some gaps. But God is a God, hallelujah, that will keep you through the gaps of life. Oh, you ought to clap your hands under the Lord and lift up your voice in the shout of triumph. Oh, he's going to see us through to the other side. It's a test of your faith. Do you trust Him? I've got to let go of what I've got in order to hold on to what I've not, to move on. Growth requires change, and change requires loss. You've got to let go. You can't expect to keep doing the same thing and get different results. There's no growth without change. There's no change without loss. And there's no loss without grief. For a long time, I don't think I understood this because I'm a male. And we don't do grief very well. Now all the men are going to get quiet, but this is a good time for the ladies to go ahead and get vocal. 
We, we, we as men don't do grief very well. We're just not good grievers. We, we, we're not always in touch, they say, with our emotions. I don't know if that's true or not. I think there are some emotions we're very much in touch with. Like anger. And impatience. I'm trying to get the ladies on my side, but I'm working hard. <laughs> You're like, I'd worship if I wasn't sitting next to my husband right now. I'd get with the preacher. If I... <laughs> but being a male, if we have a loss, if a guy has a loss, we just want to get over the grief as quickly as possible. Get busy with something else. We'll become a workaholic. We'll find some diversionary tactic. We don't like to wallow around in grief. We've been told all our life, be a big boy, you don't cry. And so we just sort of stuff it down. We just shove down grief. But the problem with grief being shoved down is it's like shaking up a can of Coke with the lid still on it. At some point it's going to blow. And if you don't grieve, it's going to come out sideways or one way or the other. I've come to tell somebody today that grief is good. I said grief is good. It's a good thing. Grief is how we transition through the transitions of life, of letting go of one and grab a hold of the other, and the uncertainty of that. Sometimes grief is a part of that. And if you and I don't learn how to grieve properly, uh, then we're going to stuff all those emotions down. Uh, and you can't sometimes transition uh, in your life without grieving. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are those who, who mourn. He didn't say, Cursed are those who mourn. He said, Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. I got news for you. Jesus grieved. I said Jesus grieved. He modeled it. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. You try to go immediately back to work after a loss. You try to immediately put it out of your mind. You'll stumble. You don't realize what you're doing to yourself because you're just stuffing the grief down. You got to let it out. I said you got to let it out. I tell people who have lost a, a loved one, maybe a husband or a wife, it's going to be at least a year of grief. It's going to be waves of some days you think I can handle it and some days you don't think you can handle it. That's normal. That's the way of life. Uh, you're going to go through every major season of life after that loss. Uh, and it's going to mark you the first Christmas after the loss, the first Easter after the loss, the first Thanksgiving after the loss, the first birthday after the loss. Uh, let me just say it to you this way. As your pastor who loves you, you don't get over grief. Uh, you get through grief. And if a person who's been married for 50 years loves their husband or wife and loses that spouse, you're not ever going to get over it. You've got to just get through it. I, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, uh, at the general conference who lost his wife about 12 years ago. And he was telling me about a big old deer he shot. He, he pulled down his iPhone to show me the, the picture. And I, I scooted over there next to him. And, and when his phone came up, he had a picture of his wife on his cell phone uh, who's now been dead for 12 years. Uh, he's not ever going to get over it. He just got to get through it. Oh, my friend, I've come to tell somebody today that there are gaps in life that you just got to get through. But I've also come to comfort you and tell you it's going to be okay. 
God said it's going to be all right because God's going to walk with you through the storm. Jesus is on the boat. He's going to help us through the transition. Grief is not something you get over, you just get through it. It's a transition to the next stage of life. When people say, are you over it yet? You say, no, I'm not over it. And you need to get over asking me about it. Because 10 years later, you may still miss your husband. That's okay. That's normal. Grief is a good thing. It's a part of life. That's why the Bible said there's a time to grieve and a time to rejoice. There are transitions and stages of life. So grief is a good thing. But this is where faith starts to sprout its wings. Because even though you feel grief, you still trust. I said you still trust. You still know. You still believe. And the world can't explain this because this doesn't fit in the flow charts or or under a microscope. It's the power to believe. In the middle of a loss, in the middle of a hurt, this is where Job went in Scripture when he said, Though he slayed me, yet will I trust him. Woo! You say, how do you do that? Because you realize it's not the end. It's just the beginning of the end. (laughs) It's not over with, my friend. It's just a transition. It's just the beginning of something greater. And God's going to take you there. There's no loss without grief and there's no grief without pain. Pain is something we all run from. But pain is something that helps us. Because pain lets you know something's not right. If we couldn't feel pain, we wouldn't live as long as we do. Because pain helps us, communicates to the body, something's not right. It's more dangerous to be numb And not be able to feel. But you say, I feel the loss. I feel the hurt. I feel the pain of failure. The pain of a setback. The emotional pain of a breakup. I feel the pain. But my faith is greater. Oh, the Lord met with us last Sunday night as we talked about the faith that is greater than our feelings. I feel the loss, but my faith is greater. I said, I feel the pain, but my faith is greater. I turn loose of the pain, and I grab a hold of the faith. I turn loose of the hurt, and I grab a hold of the trust. It's going to be all right. God's going to see me through. You may have had a tough year, or a tough 18 months, or a tough season, but I've come to to tell somebody that God's going to bring you through it. He's going to give you a faith like you've never had before. He's going to give you a confidence like you've never had before. I can trust Him though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Our text from 1 Peter reads, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see Him not yet believing, You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I feel the momentum of my faith swinging into the salvation of my soul. I reach for the salvation of my soul. Pain gave way and faith carried us. And when our faith feigned, 
trust took us. And when trust was on the decline, salvation brought us through. The enemy may try to convince you that you're at the end of your rope, but he doesn't have the final say. We've got more ropes. We're just going to grab a hold of the next one. And the next one. And the next one. Because God hadn't forsaken us. He's just transitioning us. He's just repositioning us. You may have gone through some loss, some hurt, some pain. You may have gone through some time of grieving. But I've come to tell you, God hasn't lost your zip code. God knows who you are. And when it's all said and done, you're going to have the salvation of your soul. That's going to take you to the other side that's why you gotta cleave a hold of the salvation of your soul I don't know what I may go through in the months ahead but here's what I know when it's all said and done he's gonna say well done now good and faithful servant I got to be saved The epistle that bears his name comes from the personal experience of Peter's pain and Peter's pen. Peter thought it was over when he began to sink beneath the sea. But Jesus reached down and picked him up. And Peter realized it was not the end. It was just the beginning of the end. Peter thought it was over. When he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant as the temple guard came to arrest his friend and his master Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus reached down and picked up the servant's ear and put it back on his head. And Peter realized it was not the end. It was just the beginning of the end. Peter thought it was over when he denied the Lord three times. And then as they brought Jesus out of Caiaphas' house into the courtyard... Peter looked over and locked eyes with Jesus and he saw the disappointment in his friend's eyes and he went out into the night and he could have hung himself like Judas did but he stayed around the perimeter he didn't give up yet and three days later when Jesus was resurrected he asked for Peter by name and Peter was reminded one more time it's not the end it's just the beginning of the end He thought it was over when Jesus ascended and went into heaven. uh, But he trudged back to Jerusalem uh, with the rest of the disciples. uh, And they began to pray. uh, And the Holy Ghost fell uh, on the day of Pentecost. uh, And Peter, standing up with the eleven, began to preach unto them. uh, You slew him. uh, He was your Messiah. But it's not over yet. And 3,000 people uh, were added to the church uh, on the first day of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost because it wasn't the end it was just the beginning of the end good God almighty I'm preaching to somebody it's not over yet it's just the beginning of the end you ought to set your mouth like a trumpet and shout unto God with the voice of triumph Peter thought it was over 
as the church was being persecuted and young ministers were being martyred in Jerusalem, he retreated to his friend Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. But Jesus gave him a vision of Gentiles being saved. And just when he thought one door was closing, there was a knock on the door. Servants of Cornelius. He said, I've already been prepared. Let's go. And the Lord revealed to Peter that this gospel is for everybody. It's for the Roman centurions. It's for the Gentiles. And Peter realized once again, it was not the end. It was just the beginning of the end. I've come to ask you this rhetorical question. What beginning are you being positioned for? I said, what beginning are you being positioned for? It's not the end. It's the beginning. You may feel like you're just free falling. You may feel like you're suspended in between two. But I've come to tell you that salvation has come to your house. Zacchaeus, I know you got a good job. I know you're a tax collector. I know you're hated by your brothers. And I also know you're hiding up in the tree. Come on down to Sycamore, Zacchaeus, because... Because today we're going to your house. Today salvation has come to your house. I'm preaching to somebody. If you climbed up the tree to see what's going on. Jesus says salvation is come to your house. Salvation is come to your house. Mm. Whoo. Holy Ghost has come to remind you that though changes come at us because of choices, circumstances, and consequences, some things that are the result of our own making, other things that we had no control over, some things that caught us by surprise, all of it, Jesus Christ is in charge. I said, Jesus Christ is in charge. You're a human being. There's consequences to that. You live on planet Earth, a broken planet that is marred by sin. Nothing works perfectly on this planet. Nothing, not a zero. Nothing works perfectly because of sin. Every relationship, every part of these human bodies, nothing works perfectly. If you think everything on your body is working perfectly, just keep on breathing air. The knees don't work like they used to. The hair on the head keeps waving goodbye. (laughs) You know you're getting old when you wake up from sleeping all night and say, I think I hurt my arm while I was sleeping. Ain't been doing nothing but laying down, but you injured yourself in the middle of the night. Because nothing works perfectly on this planet. There are consequences of being a human being and living on a planet that is marred by sin. This is not heaven. This is earth. And things don't happen perfectly on this earth. If you're waking, waiting for a perfect utopia environment, it's not going to happen on planet earth. It's only going to happen in heaven. So you might as well go ahead and learn to rejoice in the midst of an imperfect environment. You might as well go ahead and 
and learn to give him thanks. Even though everything is not going right, I still got a praise. I still got something to be thankful for. Peter experienced all of these changes. Some were the product of his own making. Others he was not in control of. So what do you do when these things come upon you? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul says, I've learned the secret. Anywhere, at any time, I've learned that I've got to be content. When I'm full, when I'm hungry, when I've got too much or not enough. Ooh, I've learned. Somebody say, I've learned. You, it, it's not a natural reaction. Your nature is to be discontent. To look for the greener grass on the other side. But one lady said the grass is always greener on the other side of the septic tank. What's making the grass greener over there may not be what you want to be involved with. Good God Almighty. Ooh. whether I got too little or not enough you say oh pastor I used to not have as much I used to not be where I am now or you may say I used to have a lot more than I do now but I've learned in all things that I can give him praise I've learned that in every situation God can see me through because I've learned to be content it is Christ who strengthens me oh I know we like that part but we got to learn to be content when we don't have enough or we got too much Oh, I gotta learn to be content. I gotta learn because if I can be content, I can develop character. I know it doesn't come naturally. I know it's not my natural reaction, but oh, I can learn how to be content. Cause when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my needs, my hurts, my wants, I give them all up and I reach, hallelujah. I reach for the crown as possible. Learn to be content. That's the spiritual development. That's why God says, I'm going to use it to teach you. Romans 5, 3 and 4. Even in our trials and troubles, these very things will develop character. The trial, the problem, the circumstance. The change you're going through right now. God wants you to develop into mature Christians of character. Have you ever wondered why life is so hard? Let's just admit it for a moment. Life is difficult. Can we all agree with that? It's not easy. It's difficult. But God never said it would be easy. This is not heaven. This is earth. This is the school. This is the testing ground. This is the trial period. This is the warm-up act. So life is not easy. Wherever there's sin, there's going to be problems. It's difficult. But why, even after I get my life straight and I give my life to the Lord, why, when I'm trying to do the right thing, why is life such a struggle? Why is that? I've come today to tell you why. Because God wants to change us and we don't want to change. (laughs) I said, God wants to change us. And we don't want to change. That's the real reason for the struggles in our life. God wants to change you. He wants to grow you up. And we don't want to.
We want to do our thing. We want to be selfish and self-centered. Because that's our nature. We want our plans and our agenda. We don't want to go with God's plans. And that's the struggle. So since I know that God's going to use it for my good, what should be my response? He said that in Romans. All things work together for good. For everybody, but no, not everybody. But for those that are called according to His purpose. So what do I do in the midst of these uncertain seasons, in this time of suspension and gap, when I'm trying to get there, but I don't feel like I've arrived? I'm in a vulnerable place, and I'm trying to get there, and I'm reaching, but I'm afraid, and I'm reaching, but I'm concerned. Here's what the author said of 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, Paul, as he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. You say, oh, I'm in transition right now. I've lost my job or I've lost my health or I've I've lost my family. I've lost this or that. What is God's will for me right now? There it is. It's God's will that you give thanks in all circumstances. You say, when I wait a second, Pastor, how in the world can I give thanks for what's happening right now to me? Notice the Bible doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. He said, give thanks in all circumstances. There's a big difference between the for and the in. I'm not going to give thanks for the sickness. I'm not thankful for the cancer report. I'm not thankful for the loss. I'm not thankful for the breakup in the relationship. I'm not thankful for the situation. But I can be thankful in the situation. In everything, give thanks. I'm thankful for His Word. I'm thankful for a God that will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm thankful for the love of God. That's not going to give way in a time of need. I can give thanks in the situation. Would you stand to your feet? Peter wraps up this first chapter. By declaring that everything in this natural world changes and fades. But there is something that changes not. Verse 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever and this is the word which was preached I said this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you there's some things that aren't ever going to change and this word is forever settled in heaven as long as we're on this planet we're going to go through cycles of change and seasons of change but we've got a rock We've got a rock that we hold on to. There's a salvation that's going to keep us. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And when it's all said and done, there's going to be a trump. And we're all going to rise to meet him in the air. Salvation of our soul is going to take us even when we feel our faith being challenged 
we swing out into the unknown. There, even in the unknown, is the hand of God. Peter stands before that crowd that gathers on the streets of Jerusalem. And they say, what are we going to do? You told us we messed up. We slew the Messiah that came for our salvation. What do we do? They asked him with an earnest, sincere heart. He says, here's what you do. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off. It's not the end, Jerusalem. It's just the beginning of the end. This promise is for you. The Bible said that day 3,000 of them turned loose. The old hurt, the old pain. Turned loose of all the stuff that had caused them to join the crowd and shout, Crucify! Turn loose. Oh, I feel like God's talking to somebody right now. Got to turn loose of some hurts in your past. Come on, you got to grab a hold. Salvation has come to your home. Turn loose of all that stuff. Come on, reach for what God has swung in your direction. You didn't come here by accident today. The Holy Ghost brought you here. The Word of God has swung life rife, a life raft out there for you. But it's up to you and I to take hold of it. I said you got to take hold of it. Take hold of it. Salvation of your soul. I wonder right now as the saints of God are praying, I wonder how many of you would step out from where you're standing. Would you come down that aisle and stand down here at this altar? Salvation has come to your home. I know sometimes it's scary to step out of where you're at and to walk down. But if you'll do it, God will be with you. God will walk with you as you come. Make your way down right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every breath. That's it. That's it. Just keep coming wherever you're at. Just keep making your way down. life you have been faithful Lord so oh yes Lord come on I'm going to praise him through the midst of it as you begin to worship him you'll feel God put his arms around you life you have been faithful yes 
Yes, Lord. Come on, I'm going to bless you, Lord, in the midst of the trials. That's it. Lift up your hands all over the building. In the name of Jesus. Of the goodness. Yes, yes, Lord. You've kept me, Lord, through every storm of life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I will sing. 